Welcome to It's a Good Life, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Earlier this week, we had the great Dr. Art Laffer on the show talking about how taxes have consequences. Brian, what did you think of the interview? Well, I got to say, you know, we'll get into the tactical stuff and taxes and supply side. The first thing that really struck me was here's an 82-year-old man on fire. I mean, on fire, phenomenal energy, enthusiasm, so much zip on his fastball, sharp as a tack, funny. And it just kind of goes to, it's like an, an encouragement for me to have continue the great passion that you have. You know, he's been talking about this subject for over 50 years, and he has as much fire and enthusiasm for it as he ever had. You know, when you're really a master of something, how simple he was able to explain the concepts. Concepts that have been so, whether they be politicized or poorly communicated or just flat out taught wrong, how simple it is. It was simple to understand. It's concepts you you can get your arms around. And the history is overwhelming. It was great to hear him. It was also great to hear that he doesn't have these political axes to grind. He's like, you know, stop the nonsense. You know, he has a real view about politics. It's like, hey, you're here to serve the people. Do this. You know, help people be prosperous. Help them have opportunity and get the heck out of their way. And, um, you know, maybe a different man for a different time. I don't know. But for me, you know, as a father of six living in the same neighborhood he's lived in for the past 35 years, I was hoping, you know, 27 years from now, and I have that kind of zip on my fastball, I think I'd have lived a good life too. So that was the, the big lesson was just how following your passion doesn't expire. I know you were really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while. You were looking forward to talking to him. Why is that? Why, why is he such a big guy in your life? Why is David Lally getting a little extra dinner gift certificate <laughs> for securing the Art Laffer interview? You know, I'm a salesman. I'm a speaker. People come to the seminar and they want the juice and the motivation, and the, they, but they also want the business insights. And I've always been a person who's candidly spoke about my mentors, and whether it be the Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar's, Ogmandinos, and Art Laffer would be one of those. And I'd say, like I mentioned, Art Laffer and Milton Friedman. Um, I went to school. I studied accounting. I did economics. And I studied economics uh, for two years under this one professor, got an A plus in the class, and then the professor, I'll never forget, I was coming over to America for a holiday, and my professor said, remember, nothing I've taught you for the past couple of years is practical or works in the real world. And it's like, well, well, what the hell am I doing here? I read some stuff by Art Laffer. I read a couple of books. I listened to a, a radio interview of him. I'm like, well, this is brilliant stuff. And not that I wanted to become an economist. I wanted to know, like I was asking him, how can I learn these principles so that I can do well? I was ambitious. I was driven. I was broke. And I wanted to learn how do I do well? And even though his stuff is more generated towards economies, it was the same thing. You know, supply-side economics is about growth. That's it, in a nutshell. It's about growth. And what's the environment for growth? And in his case, it's lower taxes, lower regulation, creates opportunity for growth. And what people don't realize, and we didn't really get into it, because I, I tried to stay away from the politics, because once people hear politics now, they just tune out, right? I mean, it's 45% of people. The minute they hear something that triggers them as being political, they, they tune out immediately. And I'm trying to reach people to help them. Uh, not trying to be apolitical, but just trying to, like, I want to teach people stuff and help people. I don't care who they vote for. 
But you no, know, there's laws of gravity like that are just, you know, what comes up must come down. So when you listen to what he talked about, what people don't realize, like Ronald Reagan is held in the Republican Party. He's this heroic figure and yada, yada, yada. What people don't realize and what Republicans might have a hard time swallowing is Ronald Reagan proportionately brought in more taxes than anybody ever. He actually brought more money into the government proportionately for the size of the economy at the time than anyone in history, than any president ever. And how did he do it? By lowering the taxes and creating the opportunity for growth. People put their money into the system and it grew. And because the economy grew so much, the smaller percentage of taxes was so much more than before. So the government itself had more money under Reagan than any president before. The thing about it is, though, it's, it's hard. Like, even if you hear our talking about it, he's like, hey, if you tax the heck out of rich people, here's what happens. And all the negative consequences of that. It's just with populism being what it is on all sides now, the whole concept of taxing the rich is just a simple concept, right? They have more. They have less. Off the subject, as you well know, I've been sued many times in my life, right? I have an in-house legal counsel, and it's just a cost of doing business in America. You get sued as soon as you have money. Because some people view it like the lottery. I've never taken anybody to court. I've never sued anybody. But I've won every one of these in my 30 years of business. But one time I went to trial. And again, it was a stupid trial. It was almost funny. Like it was so one-sided in our favor. And, you know, we would go and we'd sit with our lawyers and we'd be sitting outside and having a coffee and we'd be laughing about how bad the, the person who was suing me perjured themselves over 40 times in the case. So they had taken a deposition, they perjured themselves, where they basically lied against their own testimony, to the point that our attorney, if he stood up to go grab the testimony of the person, he'd go, oh, 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 no, wait a second. It started becoming kind of funny. And even the jury started laughing. So this was the most open and shut case you ever saw. So we win the case, right? And afterwards, the lawyers are allowed to ask the jury, why did you do this and why did you do that and so on and so forth? Well, the case was 10 to 2. And I go, two? Who are the two people that voted against this? The art lawyer asked them, because they do it. Like, they asked the two people, did you think the guy against Mr. Ruffini was lying? Oh, absolutely, he was lying. Do you think he perjured himself? Oh, repeatedly. They were like, hey, I got funny after a while. So they said, you thought he was lying. He perjured himself repeatedly. It was a frivolous lawsuit that had no business going to court. Yep, they agreed with all that. They said, why did you vote for him? They said, well, Buffini has money. And so there is a certain dynamic where no matter what the truth is or what the wisdom is, you have money and I don't. Which is, by the way, you know, envy is as old as the ground, right? Envy is an easy sell. Tax the guy with the money. That sounds right. The bottom line is, if you read the book, in the inside flap of this book from Laffer, it says, since 1913, the United States has had an income tax with progressive rates that increase with income. This is the story of how the American economy adapted to this reality. The experience has been jolting at every turn. When top rates have been high, top earners have shoved vast capital resources into tax shelters, depriving the economy not only of tax revenues, but investment and the wellspring of employment and a general prosperity. When rates have been low, enormous shifts in the real-world investments have materialized as if out of nowhere. As the rich have picked up the nation's tax bill and growth, the standard of living has bloomed. The consequences of taxation, especially of the income tax since its inception in 1913, have been profound. And that's his point. His point is, and when I was trying to get him to talk during the interview, was 
create an incentive-based market. And people listen to this who are entrepreneurs. If you create incentives for entrepreneur, they will do what entrepreneurs do. That's what we do. Create business, grow businesses, build a product, invent a product, find a niche in the market, grow a service, do whatever, make money doing it, and have the fun of making money doing it. So that's really what his point is about. And that's why he was hugely influential to me to understand how the whole thing worked, you know? And that's how I needed to approach a business was to grow it. You both talked about supply-side economics. I do not know anything about economics. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know that's don't. a great shock to you. <laughs> You're an artist. You're a musician. <laughs> I can't even say that. Come on. Um, it is wild, though. There's the two, you know, this, this is something that seems to get polarized or there's opposition to it. Um, but the way he laid it out, it sounded sensical, not nonsensical. So what is that about? What's the opposition to it? Well, Art Laffer was really the, like I say, the founding father of supply-side economics, where he studied the previous 50 years and found that when the regulations are low and the taxes are low and the people at the top made a bunch of money, everybody made more money. The problem is it got coined into a phrase called trickle-down economics. Now, Art Laffer has never used that phrase. I didn't want to get into it with him, per se, because we can go off on all these tangents. He's never used the phrase. But trickle-down economics is what's become synonymous with supply-side economics. And the term trickle-down, by its very nature, makes it sound like, let them eat cake. It sounds patronizing. It sounds like the big cheeses get giant bucks, and then the crumbs fall from their table, and the little guy gets some crumbs and some cheese and some crackers. So that's what it sounds like. And again, so much of what we do now is the semantics of it. We're talking money. We're talking resources. We're talking opportunities. You know, I, you've been to it. I mean, you and I have very different political views, come from completely different perspectives on these things. And we get along like a house on fire. At our events, you know, we had our mastermind, we had 3,000 people in the room. And we have left, right, and everything in between. And everybody getting along like a house on fire. I don't think anybody would know, yeah. Not at all. <laughs> people wouldn't know my politics too much. But the truth is, what I am interested in is growth. What I did come to America for was opportunity. I'm definitely not pro-socialist because I've seen the consequences of that, you know? The downside is that it's really been pegged as trickle-down economics, and that's crumbs from the table. And there is no doubt. It is not. Like when people say, it's just not fair. Well, it's not fair that, you know, Beyonce can sing the way she sings, and I can't. You know what I mean? Like, I would like to be able to, you know, put a ring on it. You know what I'm saying? Different people have different gifts. Different people have different goals, different levels of drive, different work ethics. And, you know, it's interesting, like I had my kids write a paper one time and they were in a school that was very left-leaning and they were taking economics courses and they were writing stuff that was pretty solid and they'd run it by me and I'm like, that's pretty good. And they were getting all kinds of problems from the teachers. So one time I, I had one of my kids write a paper and they flipped the economics of socialism to academics. So basically all the kids got C's. Now, if you worked hard and went to the library or if you went out and partied, you got the same grade. And, of course, that was such an affront to the academics. <laughs> How could they you? were disgusted. How right? They were just you? completely disgusted <laughs> by the idea. But at the same time, that's what they were teaching about economics. So the bottom line is, here it is, and I'll, I'll get it out of my system because we live in such a freaking politically correct world, and I just don't buy into it at all. I have no desire to offend people. But the bottom line is, the truth is the truth. In this life, there are winners and there are losers. Can't even say that anymore. There are people now, I believe that I have hope for people. You're not a loser until they close the lid. 
And it's a lot easier to be a loser than a winner. And so the reason why I'm attracted to this type of stuff is it gives you an opportunity to win. Now, at the same time, talking economics, what can be very debilitating is you think, oh, well, I need this person to be president or these people to be in or uh, power or this person to win the Senate in order for me to have success. I just think it's really helpful to know how the game is played. The book is fantastic, and I love it because it has a, a sense of history. There is a few charts and graphs, and it might be wonky at times. But the truth of the matter is you really get to understand how the thing works. And I do this bold predictions every year, and people tune in, and we have tens of thousands of people from all over the world tune in. And over the last, whatever, 15 years, I've made 37 predictions, and 36 of them have become about. Well, a lot of that is because I do a real good job of studying the history. I'm, I'm tuned with the trends, too. But if you study the history and you know how things work, then you can win. And so the bottom line is Art Laffer, you know, and again, I I was trying to get him there. I couldn't quite get him there, but it was like, he's seen inflation. He's seen high interest rates many times. I've seen it two or three times. He's seen it six or seven times. He's seen recessions. He's seen depressions. He's been there, done that, and studied it. And so the bottom line is, when the market changes and things go right, you can see. An interesting thing, as you well know, I've taken a lot of flack. And I get a lot of emails and calls as I've given out advice to people about my stance on cryptocurrency or cryptocurrency, as I call it. You know, here's all these people and you're just not with it, you know, and that's why I listen to XYZ. My kids, friends who are all in college, you know, and Mr. B, you know, you just don't see the big picture. And I say, tell me me about it. Tell me what you're investing in. Explain cryptocurrency. And so here's an example. Sam Bankman-Fried, a complete loser who looked like a loser talk like a loser, but at a $32 billion fund. I heard him on Market Call be described as the JP Morgan of cryptocurrency. I heard him on CNN be described as the JP Morgan of cryptocurrency. I heard Jim Cramer, Mad Money, call him the JP Morgan of crypto. All these credible sources. He's hanging out with Tony Blair and Bill Clinton. He's doing this, he's doing that. He had a gal run his program. She sounded like she was 12. I saw a video of them being interviewed and I'm like, I wouldn't let him, honest to God, I wouldn't let him run a lemonade stand. There were no fundamentals. There were no principles. There was no how-tos. It was the emperor's new business model. And so guess what? A ton of people. That doesn't mean I've missed things or sure, there's inventions come and go and stocks, you, you know, you had a chance to buy in early and so on and so forth. And I've done a good job of that for the most part. But there's fundamental principles. And that's why people lose their money. Because it's a herd mentality. Follow the crowd. Do what everybody's saying. All the media, these guys were darlings. All the politicians, these guys were darlings. All the tech, these guys were darlings. And he went to fundamentals. So the thing about it is you get the the art laughers of the world, people like that, and you study and you research and they show you the books and, and how it works. You can do well. You can do well in your business. You can do well with your investments because you don't have the herd mentality. You don't follow the crowd. And you're able to discern, say, ah, that doesn't sound right. Why? Because this is what happened in 1960, this is what happened in 1970, this is what happened in 1980, this is what happened in 90, 2000s, 2010s. And that's Warren Buffett, same thing. So that's why a guy like him, he's been there, done that, has great experience, knows what he's talking about, and, you know, we can all prosper from it, you know? Definitely, definitely. I have a quick question for you here. Okay. Dr. Laffer talked a lot about uh, people should leave high-tax locations, If you're like us, we live in beautiful, sunny California. (laughs) Yeah. But most people can't or don't want to leave where they live. So what what do you recommend that we do there? Right. 
Well, like, I, he had me in the crosshairs pretty good, didn't he? And again, here's what happens. What's he talking about? Well, the higher you go up the economic bracket, the more you're going to make available of shelters. So, for example, at 15% for a guy like me, that's a boatload of money. If the state of California had a vote of this last increase, that's just, it's an unconscionable amount of money that's going to the state. And you heard him talking about Tennessee. They have a budget. They got great schools. They have low property. I mean, it's like, what are we doing? It's a very common theme. The people who tax the most have often budget deficits, which is kind of bizarre. So the other side of it is I love San Diego and I don't want to move. So what do you do? Well, the key is richest man in Babylon, Danny. I gave you that book when you were about, what, 18 years old? And it said, gold is reserved for those who know its laws and obey its commands. So what you have to do is make available of all the tax advantages you can. So one of the first things I got you to do was as soon as you could was buy a house. And you did well with that. And then the next thing you did was you put an income unit on your property. And again, take advantage of that. I mentioned one, there's still a tax break out there for things like VRBO. Like if you buy a, a, a home anywhere and you rent it out for vacation rental, you can now accelerate the depreciation for the next couple of years. And again, for people making more money, that's a good way to go. I spend a lot of my time today studying the taxes and the tax code and the tax laws. I have paid and I've been audited and I will be audited again. It's actually interesting. Again, it sounds political. This latest bill when there was 87,000 new IRS agents. Now, I hate the idea of that because they're basically saying people are corrupt, people are cheating, and we're going to find money because people are cheating. And I've said it before. More likely you're going to find the typical entrepreneur is, might be slightly disorganized than a cheat. And sure enough, there are people who are cheating. There are people who lie on their taxes and they need to get hammered, and I hope they do. But most people aren't that. But the more you successful you become, the more time you spend looking at how to moderate your income, how to change the form, because you have different numbers to deal with. And what's up wild is, and I'll say this, there's one thing Republicans and Democrats agree with. At the very top of the chain, they have all their money offshore. And I can give you a long list of names of people who are presidential candidates and presidents and speakers of the House and all this stuff who have their money in the Cook Islands paying 15% tax. Or Jeff Bezos. In the last five years, I've paid more taxes than Jeff Bezos has. And that's where the resentment gets stronger and deeper and so on and so forth. The bottom line is, you do have to be wise. So I pay every dime I am ever going to pay. I always do. I've been audited. I'll be audited again in the future. There's no doubt about it. And I'm, I probably don't take all the deductions I possibly can take. But I also make very sound investments. And I structure what I do and how I do it. And the tax code is part of every decision I make. The downside is this as an entrepreneur. I saw this growing up in Ireland. I spend more of my time thinking about that. Like I could go and create other businesses right now, like today. Ideas I have, markets I see, niches I see, where I could go and start that and grow a business from scratch today. And I won't do it. Which would employ people, by the way, and give people more opportunity. And I'm a good boss, you know, great place to work. I pay people well, a lot of loyal staff people. And I'm less inclined to do that. I'm going to grow the one I have, but uh, less inclined to do it. Because why? Why would I bother? I'll give you an example. Is I, I mentioned these two properties that I had um, a good chance of securing to be able to build condos. And then one of them was going to be apartment buildings. 
And when I did all the numbers and all the math and then all the fees and the school fees and the park fees and the this fee and the regulation fee and two years later and three years later and four years later, I was getting a 3% return. And you take 100% of the risk for a 3% return. So what I do with the money? I put that same money into treasury bills and got 4.3%. No risk, no downside. By the way, there's a taxable benefit. I don't pay state income tax on the money I get by buying US dollars, right? So there's an example there where I'm not paying 13%. But here's the thing. I didn't put a bunch of contractors to work, a bunch of tradespersons, architects, plumbers, painters, roofers, and I didn't house what would have been 36 families. So there's 36 properties not on the market that I would have put. Now, some people can do it. And again, that's not my full-time business doing development. So some people look at it and so on and so forth. But that's an example when the margins aren't there and the numbers are, and it doesn't seem to, the electorate doesn't seem to understand that. And the politicians don't seem to understand that. When you disincentize entrepreneurs, they take their ball and go elsewhere. So 500,000 people have left the state of California in the last 24 months. In fact, I think it's the last 18 months. So there is what Art Laffer is talking about. But I think the big thing is if you want to stay where you are, you need to maximize the tax benefits you have and be wise. And then sometimes it's, you know what? I'm not going to build the properties. I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy treasuries. And then I'm not going to pay the taxes on the dividend I get by buying U.S. dollars. It's in my decisions. It's in my conversations. I'm thinking about taxes every week as a business owner. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, so obviously you studied economics quite a bit. And as entrepreneurs, I, I think oftentimes we can be so focused on running the business that we mm. don't even think about like the external things going on. Um, are there any key indicators we should be looking at as entrepreneurs? The number one is inflation. Inflation is the number one thing as an entrepreneur. You have a coffee business. Well, your beans are more expensive. The containers are more expensive. The supply is more expensive. The equipment is more expensive. The packaging is more expensive. So that's why, to go back to Art Laffer, supply side, you have to grow your business at a higher percentage than inflation. And I'd say for anybody listening, I mean, at a very minimum, the goal should be that you're going to grow your business, your net income by 10% next year. Like you need to do that just to break even. Like that's, that's the game we're playing. Inflation is there's a hole in the bucket. And I mean, the truth is if I was to get into the tax implications and whatever else, you probably need to do more than 10%. I don't want to depress people, but I do want to challenge people. In a recessionary market where things are going down, you need to grow your business by 10%. It's why people need to get a coach. I mean, I'm very confident the businesses that we're coaching in 2023 are going to do well, but it's going to take a lot. It takes a lot. I mean, we have to grow our business, Buffini Company. We're in an industry where people are laying out people left and right now. Thousands and thousands of employees are being let go by a lot of major, major companies in the space we work in. And we've made a decision we won't be doing that because we're going to grow. But it takes a lot. So I'm investing. I have consultants. I have experts. I've got a board working on a voracious business plan for next year, or we're looking at, there's a few things we're going to stop doing and then get a sharper focus on some of the things we are doing. Certainly more lead generation, certainly more sales. You're going to need more leads to do the same amount of business. So you need a lot more leads to do 10% more business. You know, it's okay. These things come and go. Recessions make everybody better. Like competition makes everybody better. And when the market was flying high, like I say, Turkey can fly in a hurricane. So I think the big thing is, and again, whether it be Art Laffer, Milton Friedman, or Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, and Og Mandino, I'm attracted to all those people because they talk about growth. 
and the way to work your way to I can't change the government. The electorate's going to elect for the government they want, and they, that's what they have. And we're here in California. People keep voting for the same people, and so they keep passing the same laws. Okay, so this is the price of living in California. So I have to outgrow that. I have to outwork that. I have to be smarter than that. And I have to be smarter in how I grow my business, how efficient I am with my expenses, and how intentional I am about the taxable consequences of what I do. That's the stuff that you can control, right? I mean, you touched on it briefly that monetary policy, once the votes are in, that's it. You just got to put it away and stop looking at it because that's a done deal. So what are some of the things you can control from an economic standpoint for an entrepreneur? You can control your expenses. You can control your focus. And your focus needs to be very sharp. You know, they all stay and, you know, Tough times produce tough men, and tough men produce good times. Good times produce weak men, and then weak men produce tough times, right? The fact of the matter is, people got sloppy. A lot of our clients even got sloppy. I'd say Buffco got a little sloppy. Because why? Because the money was flying around, and business was happening, and sales were happening, and people are making money. We are making a lot of money, and, you know, it's very easy. So for me, it's a time to be efficient. Not to be scared. And some people just get scared, you know, because fear is an easy motivator. I I just think fearful people are going to shrink to the degree they might not be even able to stay in business long term. We have a a list, uh, Buffini Company, I formed this board of advisors and we have this do it or dump it list. Are we going to do this or dump it? And you'll find that people want to, in a size organization that we have, a lot of people will cling on to things because that's their job. It's like, no, no, no. We want to direct your efforts towards Okay, let's, let's take care of the clients we have, let's find new clients, and let's do a great job of taking care of them. And you'd be surprised how much time, effort, money is spent on stuff that's not those three things. So I think it's very important to get very efficient, cut out the things that aren't working, and get very focused on acquiring clients and taking care of the ones you have and turn them into advocates. And then now watch your expenses and then pay attention to where you're paying your taxes. So, you know, what I've shared is what the business plan is for 2023 for the company I run. And that is we intend to grow. And we intend to grow at a higher rate of return than inflation. It's a struggle to do in the planning phase. It's a struggle to cut things away. And it's a struggle to get refocused. But then when you get the wind at your back, boy, it it really goes. And you start to feel the momentum. And people around you will be singing the blues. Again, part of the herd mentality. The herd mentality that's overzealous that gets you into the FTX and Sam Brinkman world, well, the same herd mentality is going to work in the depressed mode of listening to the economy and the recession and everything's in the tank and, you know, all that type of stuff. And so either way, you need to be an original thinker. Love it, Brian. Thanks. It's nice to hear this stuff. I think, you know, no one is uh, free of the concern of the market we're heading into. So it's nice to hear this from... uh, from all, I would say, all listeners are enjoying it. Um, you talked briefly there about um, business coaching and buffinicompany.com slash BC. There's free business consultations on there if our listeners or viewers uh, want to check that out. I, I want to thank you for your, uh, the insights on Dr. Laffer. I mean, uh, what a cool thing to be able to be talking about that um, legend on this, on this podcast. Yeah, that today. guy changed the world. Yeah. I mean, that guy changed the world for, for decades. He changed England, he changed America, he changed Ireland. A number of parts of the world brought him in. He's a, he's a very humble guy, very influential guy. What he was speaking was the truth. At some point in time, America will go back to some of those principles. Again, that'll happen. It, everything goes in cycles. But in the meantime, my wish for everybody is to do well. And like you mentioned, 
Go get a free business consultation at Buffini Company and see if coaching's right for you. I get a coach. I get all the help I could get. Gird up yourself for the year that's coming. Uh, growth is where it's at. Growth is where it's at. So hopefully this, this show today helped people grow a little bit. Love it. Let's cycle over to you to send us on our way. All right, man. Thanks for joining in. Enjoyed the chat, lads. Thanks again for getting uh, Art Laffer. And I want to say to uh, the audience, thank you, because what a great privilege it is, the work I get to do today, that I get to meet people like Art Laffer, who is heroes of mine. And that's been constant, whether it's been Neil Armstrong or Ogmandino or Zig Ziglar and Jim Rohn and all these people who have been heroes of mine, Brian Tracy. I'm just looking around all these pictures in the studio here and the Jay Leno's and who else? We've got Magic Johnson, all these characters. I've got to meet all those people because of the work that we do, which is goes to show you that when you go to bless other people, you yourself will be blessed. You can't shine a light to someone else's path without lighting up your own. I hope this program has been a light to you. I hope you continue to share it with your friends. If you don't want to hear commercials for the price of a cup of coffee, I believe, uh, five bucks a month, you can get rid of all the commercials. So good for you on that. And uh, I wish you the very best. I hope this program has been helpful to you and will continue to be part of your listening diet on a regular basis. And I hope you share it with your friends who want to get a little boost. Our goal in the coming months is to really fire you up, get you in the best enthusiastic spot you can be to do as well as you can, to think, feel, and do better as an entrepreneur. And uh, one of the people who always does that for me is my mom, Therese, our little 92-year-old fireball. And she's got even more energy than Art Laffer, so go figure that. And she's going to leave us all with a little Irish blessing today. Thanks for joining me. We'll catch you next time. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. Mm -hmm.